I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Ladies and gentlemen, please remain standing for the singing of our national anthem. He said Britain is just a small island that no one pays attention to. A former colony won the right to determine its own destiny. Hello and welcome to Mid-Atlantic, the show where we look at the news and the views from one side of the Atlantic from the perspective of the other. I am joined today by Rob, the historian man Monaco from Connecticut, and John, the journalist Elledge from London. Say hello, gentlemen. Hey, hey. Hello. And I am your host, Royfield Brown, in a somewhat overcast San Francisco. In a week that has seen the president of the Philippines call Obama a son of a whore, we look at protesting the flag and the start of Tory infighting over Brexit. All eyes are on embattled quarterback Colin Kaepernick, who vows to sit out the national anthem again at Thursday night's game. When there's significant change, and I feel like that flag represents what it's supposed to represent, and this country is representing people the way that it's supposed to, I'll stand. The game is billed as military night on the San Diego Chargers website. It's a tribute to the hundreds of thousands of military personnel who live in the city, well known for its patriotism. Here's more irony. Performing the national anthem will be U.S. Navy Petty Officer Stephen Powell. The firestorm over Kaepernick's refusal to stand has led to a major debate. Even Hillary Clinton's running mate, Senator Tim Kaine, is weighing in. you got to respect people's ability to act according to their conscience. I mean, I, I'd do it differently. I think if you really thought about issues uh, and about this country, you'd do it differently. Now Kaepernick is being blasted by CBS sports announcer Boomer Esiason. Disgraceful, despicable, and I can't even say it in strong enough terms. Colin Kaepernick, the 28-year-old San Francisco 49ers quarterback, has made news after he was spotted sitting during the playing of the U.S. National Anthem at a National Football League preseason game on August 26. Although he took the tactic of quietly sitting in protest against police brutality and the general oppression of black people and people of colour, the result has created a loud firestorm of both support and criticism. Rob, should he have chosen this moment to protest against police brutality? It is completely within his rights to do so whether or not 
uh, you know, if if you are breaking any rules of whatever organization you belong to, which it doesn't seem like there are any rules associated with being an, an NFL player that you have to stand or you have to do whatever it is during the anthem. Um, if he's not breaking any of the rules there, he's not breaking any laws. He's fully protected by the Constitution. And, and it just goes to show how important it was for the founding fathers, freedom of speech. It's number one. There's five components of the First Amendment, and the freedom of speech is the number one topic listed there. But, I, I mean, look, this, this, this happens more than I think people give it credit for, that some athlete or, or some public figure, either they don't stand or, or they, they don't take their hat off or they look the other way or they do something intentionally uh, attention-getting uh, during the anthem, the pledge, whatever it is, to draw attention to something. And I, I always think that the response from people is it's more fascinating than the the topic that they're trying to draw attention to because, I mean, I've seen articles already where people, you know, he's really drawing attention to these issues. I, I don't, maybe initially, not anymore, now everybody's going after him, and that's a shame. Uh, I, I, it, the whole conversation has shifted um, to some pretty nasty things as well. Mm. Uh, John, do we understand this? Being Brits, we don't have the national anthem playing before the start of Aston Villa versus Burnley or anything ridiculous like that. Do we understand any of this hoopla at all? No, not even slightly. I find it absolutely <laughs> baffling. That I mean, as 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 Rob points out, it's the First Amendment. It's that in in the US there are a lot of very clear political rights that are you know, and they're embedded in the Constitution. You're not allowed to touch this stuff. And yet they have these controversies over how people use them. Whereas over here, we don't have, I mean, over here, we basically have no rights to speak of. There is a genuine <laughs> debate as to whether or not we should uh, repeal the uh, European uh, Bill of Human Rights, the European Convention of Human Rights, rather, as part of Brexit. Um, we have serious politicians who are saying that they do not want human rights enshrined in British law, which is just, you know, that's, as, that's as terrifying as it is baffling to me. And yet it's hard to imagine anything of this sort ever happening here because we don't have the sort of social pressure either. You know, if you don't, it, it, even if we did have the, the national anthem, it's like the, the worst that happens is people, you know, people are a bit sniffy about it. It's like, you know, Jeremy Corbyn didn't sing the national anthem at some event or another early in his leadership. And they tried to make it a thing. And it was, a little, and, you know, David Cameron told it off, told him off for it. But it wasn't a national scandal or anything. It was just, you know, nobody really cares that much. It's just quite sort of unimaginable that anyone could come under so much pressure to kind of, um, sort of stand in line and show their love for their country because nobody here, you know, we find patriotism a little bit awkward and embarrassing, um, which I suppose is uh, a reflection of being on the downward slope from empire that everyone, kind of, we, we, we did that thing. We used to have nationalism and patriotism here and it ended up with us conquering large chunks of the world and doing all sorts of horrible things. And we now feel slightly awkward about having done that. So we're just going to pretend it's just not very British to love Britain. So yeah, the, it 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 doesn't it doesn't transfer across British the Atlantic. Thing. Oh my goodness! Well, I, I yeah, it's just really awkward. It's so you know, British to, to not want to be British. <laughs> well, I don't think it's quite 
so so British. I think it's more European, isn't it? That there is a sensibility around overt overt signs of patriotism because it leads on to nationalism, which leads on to xenophobia. Um, I'm going to push back on that because I don't think that's actually true. I think if you look at um, the French political culture, um, patriotism and love of France, love of post uh, post revolutionary France, is is very much embedded in it. And the idea, you know, the values of you know equality, sure, fraternity, sure. Equality. But but uh, you can... so it's not specifically American thing. I think it's I think it's Britain that's the exception here as much more than the US really. No 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 no. There's an entire government agency that basically promotes. French exceptionalism. I mean, okay. regulating language. Num- number one, let, let let let's pick Mr. Ellidge to pieces one by one. Number one, oh. we we do have oh. one right in the UK, and and serious point here, and it is the right not to carry round an ID with us, which we do feel that is um, viscerally kind of important. So much so that I frequently get caught out when I go to a bar. Not frequently, every now and then. I know I go to a bar in the States and they'll ask me for ID and I don't have a photo ID. My only ID that I have is my passport and that is not physically with me at all times. I would say that's the one kind of... Are you really expecting us not to call you out on the humble bragging here? You're saying, hey, I still still get IDs in bars. Well, listen, as as people, as long-time listeners will know to Mid-Atlantic, black doesn't crack and I look amazing for my age. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. This is annoying, to be honest. I was surprised when you told me how old you were, so fair play, but nonetheless. Moving on, moving on from that. I think that um, I could be French, okay, and I could write a polemic against the flag, the French flag, and and to say that I shouldn't, that in some way it is oppressive. And intellectually, I would not be taken to pieces, uh, um, and viscerally I wouldn't be taken to pieces, the way that... um, it's inconceivable for some sections of American society to have any criticism of the flag and of overt symbols of, of nationalism, of, of, of Americana. And what Kaepernick has done, um, yes, there's a First Amendment right for freedom of speech, yada, yada, yada. But he's doing this at one of the most American holies of holies, where real red meat eating Americans um, commune to watch football. So it feels, in in a way, doubly unpatriotic for your average American. Don't get me wrong. Yes, the French have a, a veneration of secular symbols of nationalism. But, you know, you could go through all of the countries of Western Europe. I would say the newly, uh, so relatively newly capitalist countries of Central Europe and Eastern Europe, it, it's slightly different because they're rediscovering all manner of historical trends going back to pre the Second World War. But I would say that in every Western European country of which democracy is absolutely embedded, um, you can be disrespectful, you can ignore national symbols without people calling you out and saying that you are anti, let's say, anti-Italian necessarily or anti-Spanish and that you need to be thrown in a dungeon. Over to you, Mr. Monaco. You've, you've, on me for uh, a loop on that one you're no you you are right i mean i think you identified that yes this is not just him calling a press conference and saying you know hey i plan on not standing anymore 
to draw attention to the way uh, black people and Muslims are treated in this country. You're right. And uh, the NFL game is a sacred time in this country. I, I'm not a particular uh, fan of football. I'm, I've never really cared much for it. I just find that it, it strikes me as going back to the time, seeing as how today is the 15th anniversary of 9-11, that all of a sudden you started to see politicians wearing uh, flag pins on their lapels. And, and it started out small. And the next thing you know, they were all wearing flag pins. And everybody was now wearing flag pins. People who didn't even need to wear them, they were suddenly wearing them. And the moment you saw somebody not wearing one, you're right. All You're an anti-American. Why do you hate this country so much? Why do you love terrorism so much? I mean, you name it, it was being lobbed against anyone. I find that where people who value the the motions the traditions the the rituals almost of standing you take off your hat your right hand on your heart the, it it is based in a true love for the lofty ideals of this country and we see other people around the world oh what do you do this stuff for we know we don't really care and we see you know we see the jaded and the cynical and i don't think and maybe it's because of our age as a country it's a young country we don't want to be like them john is it possible in the united states to be critical of the police and still be seen as being a true american is it possible for you to say something's going on with the amount of uh, african-american males that are stopped and with police uh, disproportionately shooting and killing them but still actually supporting the institution of the police. It's uh, nice of you to throw this question to the British guy on the podcast who doesn't live in the US. So no, it's well, by uh, definition, least qualified to answer this. But, um, I mean, it, it's from, from my reading of American history, it's felt to me like there have always been these kind of competing threads. So that it's genuinely a land of liberty and a beacon for the world. And, you know, all that's true. And set against that, you have slavery you have a hundred years of fighting for civil rights for african americans and today you have black lives matter and so on so there has always been these these two kind of competing definitions and ideas of what it means mm. to be american so i don't think it's as simple as saying oh well the, the guys who, who believe we should be critical of the police and 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 hold them to account are un-american i think that it's, it, it fits into un-american tradition just as much as the kind of um, red-blooded flag-hugging patriotism does i think there will be people who, who will use this against Copernic and, and those who agree with him particularly you know in an election year but nonetheless i I don't know. I don't feel like it's ever going to get that much traction because it's, it, it, there's a lot of noise here. But I kind of think there will always be people pushing back against that and saying, no, freedom of speech is an important American value. Why is it, Rob? Let's, let's put this question, the question to John, as he said, you know, it was a uh, ill place to put it to the resident Brit first. But let, let's throw it over to you. Is it possible for uh, there to be uh, criticism of the police, which is somewhat nuanced, which doesn't say that you are damning all policemen? Uh, and why is it seen that any criticism of, let's say, the police uh, is seen as being un-American? Well, we, we have... Uh... You know, it's a deep-seated respect for, I, I guess you would call it, you know, the authority 
positions in this country that everything is sort of kind of ingrained at that at a but, younger age but but, well, but, that's, one, that's but, but but one second right i'm just going to just ho- hold you to that you have a there is a deep-seated respect for people that put on the blue but there isn't a deep-seated respect for people that go off to washington to try and govern the country ah yes i think there you're right the difference of course is that you're you don't see children's books about the politician coming to help you during your time of need and help you get the cat out of the tree. And you don't see, you know, wonderful comedy shows where it's, you know, a politician and his aide and they solve. Oh, you do. It's called Veep. Sun. It's called <laughs> well, Veep. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going way back. I'm, I'm thinking more like, uh, uh, you know, McLeod and, and, oh, okay. and old old shows. Yeah, no, I'm going way back on this one. But mm. but if they've I, started I, solving mysteries in Veep, I'm going to start watching Veep again because that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure it'll be. There's that's about all the BBC shows that I, there's always a funny mystery out there. Somebody got a day job and then they solve the crimes at night. Maybe they'll politicians. But but anyway, I I think where where it stems from is that you don't want to, especially at growing up. Although I, I may put an asterisk after my statement just thinking about this, you don't want to um, question or, or, or go against the police because you probably have been in a community that gets along with them well. And as I say that, I realize and that's not true of of many places in this country. There is that combative um, borderline hostile environment and it. it it's really bad. It's it's endemic, and and I think the the problem is is that there was a moment, pot probably, where calm intellectual uh, debate could occur, but things have gotten out of hand again, and the emotions are tr- trumping anything that we can sort of have a nice calm discussion about. Um, way too many people have a voice online. Way too many news agencies can spin their own agenda on things making one side look bad over the other um i think it's absolutely possible to question anything in this country and walk away looking good it has gotten much more difficult though and that's a shame because the first amendment is the most beautiful thing that i think has ever been put to paper uh, when it comes to to government in the world john can you think of a a British sportsman, sports person doing something similar? Because I must admit, off the top of my head, I can't, let alone, you know, this type of response. Are you on a campaign to ask me all the questions I can't possibly answer? Because you know I don't really pay attention to sport. Okay, no let, let, let me, let <laughs> no, me no, reframe I, the I, question. No, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I am going to answer, but I think it's, I don't think you can read across that easily because we don't have the same respect for the symbols. I think it's it's more than possible for for but you talk about the respect for the symbols because we're we're not just one country; we're four countries. Okay, Andy Murray. I've got an example. I've actually got an example. Andy Murray has said in the past that he doesn't consider himself British; he considers himself Scottish. And that's not only seen as a legitimate response. There is an entire political movement which, you know, something like 45% of Scots believe in. That they don't believe it. They should be part of the, the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. They believe Scotland should be an independent country. So it's completely legitimate to kind of push back against these symbols. It's just, it's an entirely different political culture. I think you could have a sportsman stand up and say, I'm a Republican. I don't believe we should have a royal family. And everyone would go, yeah, 
fair enough. But is this to do with... You, you talked before that we have a kind of cynicism about patriotism, and I think there's an ele- a large dollop of truth in that. But is it also to do with being somewhat much more secure in our sense of national identity that um, we're not so brittle as to anybody knocking any kind of institution uh, that we go oh my goodness you know the the sky's about to fall in fall in on us is this because we are just a little bit more mature laid back and rested in our identity what is it about the last two or three years of British politics that makes you think we are remotely secure in our national political identity? Yeah, I'm when going with John on that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the chunk of the country trying to break away. The whole Brexit thing is because we're so insecure in our national identity, we can't bear the idea that you know we have to cooperate with Europeans to actually get stuff done. That's we're not up for that. No, I think it is. I think it more likely comes down to the fact we're not one country in that way we are four countries within one state but also i I think there is something around because the american identity is something you buy into you become an american Mm. um so therefore you kind of it needs to be more visible whereas in britain you just you know you just are british um and i think actually one of the one of the things we've done very well as a country I was talking to a, a friend last night who's Dutch about this. How she was saying how in most European countries, you can't be black Dutch, you can't be Asian Spanish or something, um, and there is that kind of insecurity around race and national identity. Whereas in Britain, it's for all our. It's it's not that there's no racism here because God knows there's loads of it, but it is entirely possible to be accepted as a black Briton or an Asian Briton. And except for a, a small community of active racists, people would just accept that. So I, there is something around a different way we perceive national identity. Um, but I feel it's because the American, American identity is something you actually have to opt into. I suspect it comes back to that. Mm. Um, we, we definitely agree about that. And, you know, the- I'm forever tell it, telling Americans exactly that same thing that um you know i can be communist and be a german i can be a nationalist and, and be an italian and i'm still um you know a, a german or an italian whereas if i'm a communist and american i'm anti-american you know and that doesn't happen in any other country apart from the united states maybe north korea maybe iran maybe saudi arabia where you absolutely need to agree with the system of governance of the country to be seen as legitimately of that country you know, so America finds itself lined up with some very weird bedfellows in terms of um, how it sees uh, nationality. But Rob, we're going to come back over to you to finish up with because it is nine eleven day, and um, it's the start of the football season. Um, so, who do you support? Um, you, do you do you want my real in answer? 9/11? Yeah, well, yeah. Rob, who supports in nine eleven? Yeah, I think yeah. Rob understood. Why? Why? When I, I said the start of the football season, when I said who I, do you support, he I knew did. where I was going with this, Mr. Elledge. Yeah, well, that's, except then I'm like, oh shoot, yeah, that, that's actually good. all right. I'm gonna, you know, but, I'm gonna tell you what, what I tell. Uh, I'm gonna tell you my stupid like teacher joke. What I do that? Right. I support. I support the Buffalo Wings. I hear they're really <laughs> hot this season. It's gonna be phenomenal. <laughs> but I'm bummed. Yeah, no, I, I don't care. The Giants, I root for the New York team, the end. 
Oh, and and there's two of them. All right, smashing. Oh, there's the New Jersey Jets and mm. ah, that's their dits. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Let us move on, gentlemen. On the 23rd of June, the people of this country voted to leave the European Union, and they voted for change. They did so by a clear majority. But there were many people who also voted for Remain. So it's absolutely vital that we work together, leavers and remainers, as we seize the opportunities that this country now has to forge a positive and exciting new relationship, not just with the European Union, but also with the rest of the world. Changing Britain and making it global again. Now, more than ever, we need to show the British people that as politicians, we are listening to what they have to say. Brexit means Brexit. Help us change Britain. Last week saw the launch of a new pressure campaign, Change Britain, that aims to push Theresa May to fully deliver on the EU exit. Does Brexit mean Brexit or does it mean Brexit at an indecent haste? Mr Elledge, over to you. You've got your ear to the ground on all things Brexit. What do you reckon? The fact that Theresa May and other leading politicians keep repeating this line, Brexit means Brexit, as if it is in some way meaningful uh, is is kind of an insight into the fact that nobody has the first clue what's going to happen or how they're going to do it. It's just it's become a sort of faith based position. I think the the difficulty we've got is that the Leave campaign there there are, there are no doubt many reasons Leave won the referendum, but one of the one of the big factors I think is that they they offered a very attractive alternative. Like we know what Remain looks like. It's a little bit disappointing and frustrating and we have to compromise uh but you know it's it's okay whereas the brexit side were promising the earth they were saying if we leave the european union then we will never be pushed around by foreigners again we will have 350 million pounds a week which we will invest in the nhs we will have full control of our borders but we will retain access to the european single market because the germans want to sell us cars so they'll fall over themselves together and it's all nonsense they're just offering the unobtainable. They were acting like there weren't 27 other governments in the European Union that also have electorates to answer to. And so they can't give Britain too generous a deal. Um, and this is becoming increasingly clear that the promises that were made are undeliverable and that there is going to have to be messy compromise and we're not going to get everything we want. Um, and the longer this goes on for, the more obvious it will become and the more likely I think that there will be a change of opinion and maybe some of the support for Brexit starts to ebb away. So I think there is a feeling in the, sort of the, the true believers that we need to activate Article 50 and get the process of Brexit going as soon as possible basically before everyone wakes up and realizes that maybe it's a bad idea and we shouldn't do that after all. I think they feel like they're they're on a deadline here and that the longer we wait, the harder it's going to be to get the sort of full fat version of Brexit that they're after. Rob, does any of this make sense from your side of the pond? Uh, not in the slightest. What are we talking about? Okay. Um, <laughs> we're, we're talking about the fact no, that... I... Go on. <laughs> I know you know. I'm just messing with you. Um, you know, it, it's funny. I, I knew it was going to happen. I was just kind of waiting for it anyway, that uh, two weeks 
that's that give or take two weeks is about our attention span when it comes to you know big news stories and sure enough all of the discussion about brexit the oh is that a funny word brexit and here you have entire local news stations are you know doing they're doing their air quotes as they say brexit it's gone the talk has completely stopped the schadenfreude of of watching it all fall apart and then seeing nigel farage get up there and go well i didn't actually promise any of that stuff but you guys figure it out. Goodbye. I have to go back to my home planet now. Um, just watching <laughs> it all collapse and being like, oh, I-, I wonder if I can get cheaper things now on on eBay from Britain. It's nothing. I, I haven't seen any talk about it. Only recently uh, just being prompted at, at, at least on, you know, seeing like, you know, world news on Reddit or something, seeing the the. Uh, I was going to call him another name, but uh, the the foppy topped guy Boris. Um, just seeing his mug <laughs> pop up on the online, I'm like, oh, it's him again, right, right. He's now their foreign. Mi- That's bizarre, but okay. And of course, every picture is is hysterical of him. Um, but I, but seeing that, I saw the change Britain thing, and I said, I was thinking, oh, they must be fighting back. This must be they want to change what they voted on. <laughs> and then I read more. Oh, they want to they want to keep changing it. it didn't is it's it's been changed. Isn't. Oh, they want to do it faster now. Right. Well, good luck. That sounds ridiculous. John, isn't this really to do with and let's, let's take the Tory party in a machination just just to one side for now. But as I understand it. Right, so we've got to invoke Article 50, and then it's two years to negotiate your exit. That pushes us up to the next general election, basically, doesn't it? And surely um, the this new mob, what they want to do is to get this done before the next general election, so the next general election cannot be fought on, well, here are the terms... Um, vote for us and you know you'll get the terms vote against us and in effect we remain that's the reason why they want to do this so fast isn't it because um the time is a ticking because actually we could get to a next general election and actually vote in a party or mps that are pro remain because they reject uh the the stipulations of of exit Oh, God, I just went into a beautiful reverie where somehow we get out of this mess and we have a general election and we suddenly have don't have a Tory government, that we don't have Brexit and sanity returns to the world. But no, I, I, I don't think that's I, I, I'm not sure that's a, a thing because probably we, we can't get a deal in two years. It's too complicated. We might get some kind of continuing negotiation, but even then we kind of need a lot of support from the other 27 members to kind of extend it. So we're probably... There is a serious danger that once you invoke Article 50, you get to the end of two years and you just fall out of the European Union and the single market and all the trade rules. And then we have no idea how how importing or exporting stuff is going to happen and the economy falls off a cliff. That's probably not something you want to happen sort of 20 months before, uh, maybe 16 months rather, before a general election, which is what we'd be looking at here. Which um, I think is I, Theresa May's calculus, that actually what she, what she's, because she, she's even said, wasn't it last week, that uh, Brexit means a sharp shock to the, the British economy. So you could argue that what she's doing is number one, 
yes, Brexit means Brexit. The, the markets have collapsed, uh, collapsed by, let's say, some 12, 13 percent, or at least the value of the pound anyway. Then the, the markets stabilise and get used to the new reality. And the longer you can drag this out past uh, the next general election, so that next general election is not actually fought on the terms of it, the, every, international speculators, money markets, etc., get used to the new reality. So the longer you can keep this going, actually the stronger uh, all the all the economic indicators in the markets actually are. And then just after the next general election, if it's a, the Tory party are re-elected, then you do it. I'm not quite buying this argument because I don't think anyone seriously thinks that the Tories aren't going to win the next election. The Tories could start setting fire to major British cities. They could just torch Liverpool um, <laughs> and they'd probably still win the next election because because that's how big a mess the Labour Party is in. We don't have an opposition to speak of at the moment. I wonder if actually the lady doth protest too much. And the reason Theresa May keeps saying Brexit means Brexit is because she's got to look really hard line on this to buy her the credibility to row back on it in some way. Because if it looks like she always wanted a soft version of Brexit, then there's going to be a stab in the back narrative. Whereas if she looks like she's being you know, hard line about it, then she might be able to get away with that. The, the other reason I think for dragging it out is the longer it goes on for, the greater the chance that something will fall to bits elsewhere in Europe. And either there will suddenly be uh, an impetus to give Britain a deal quickly so as not to make things worse, or, or even uh, the terms of debate in the European Union change massively. And finally, if there's two or three countries that are fighting to leave, the European Commission has to actually seriously reform stuff, at which point it will be possible to say, well, we only did this because we wanted to reform the European Union. We've achieved that aim. We no longer need to Brexit at all. Basically, the longer it goes on for, the more your options increase. Um, I don't I, I don't see I, I see why the people who are true believers want to speed this up. I don't see the benefit for it in t- from Theresa May's point of view at all, because if if we do tumble out of the EU without a deal in early 2019, um, then we are on the run into a general election. And while they'll probably still win, it will weaken their position if you know the economy is on fire at that point. So, <sighs> Rob, John has basically said that the Tory party should set fire to Liverpool. Um, which of the American de- uh, me, American I'm not, I'm political parties... Hair, I'm not Boris Johnson. Which Boris of the Johnson American political parties Liverpool. set fire to that noble and great city that was once Detroit? Who can uh, take, who can take uh, credit for that? Yeah, well, I mean... <laughs> It would be it would be easy to say Republican, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we could just say, "Oh, I'm sure that they just you know gutted that place," and to a large extent, yeah, it was a, it is the Republicans. But let's be honest as well. That's a Democrat stronghold. I, I mean, that Democrats have been in power for a long time uh, in, in northern Michigan. I'm sure anyone who's seen uh, Roger and me, you know, Michael Moore and all the Flint uh, nonsense that, that's gone up there. I mean, they're, they're completely complicit in absolutely neglecting everything that's gone on there. But, uh, but of course, I think what, what we should really look back on, if you want to go with Detroit, is is of course the real origins of Detroit, Detroit, that it's it's a fort, and of course it's French. So inevitably, it's really the French's fault. I'm, I really want to, <laughs> just want to go there for one second. 
<laughs> so can we have a bit of a transatlantic kind of kumbaya moment saying that basically the French are the fault for just about everything? That's yeah, I think the reason. I, I, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think I, I think we can agree on that. Yeah, exactly. Snail-eating bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to our takeaways of. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The week. She's eating surrender monkeys. I'll get me started with the Germans. <laughs> yeah. Gentlemen. What have been your takeaways, your standout moments, whether it be on media, something that you've read, or just a thought that's come into your noggin, that means head for our American cousins, in the last seven days. Um, over to you in Connecticut, Mr. Monaco. Um, I saw today that um, there was a, a global kind of agreement that it was time to once again um, make a non-binding pact to close ivory markets and that's a very nice gesture but um, once again it's it's non-binding and as much as they say they want to protect elephants um, that it, it I don't know how much it's going to do so um, for my takeaway I want people to um, do what they can to sort of get informed there is an amazing uh place in Owenwall, tennessee the elephant sanctuary they do amazing things with elephants it is not a zoo you cannot touch the elephants you cannot get close to the elephants they are there basically to retire um it's a wonderful place and it's a uh, they do charity uh get donations as well so that's my takeaway and um, one I can absolutely get behind being a, uh, I, I have a massive, big, smushy spot uh, for for elephants, love them to pieces. And yeah. the fact that um, in this day and age, there's those noble animals who are just so intelligent uh, at being yeah. hunted and slaughtered uh, for what is matted hair. You know, there, it has, you're right. You know, yeah. absolutely no 
medicinal properties for anything you know just just beggars belief just beggars absolutely belief. and Royfield, i mean once you i i wasn't really a believer in a lot of this stuff but my mom i don't know what it was that she discovered elephants and she's volunteered at the sanctuary literally i, I she cares about them so much that she'll she picks the grass between the sidewalks just so that it looks clean for when donors arrive that's how much she cares about uh, these animals but once you see a video of them uh, actually crying uh, yeah. over over another it oh my god how do you not just reevaluate where do we stand in the world so yeah mm. absolutely um, Mr. Elledge over to you see if you can trump that pun, yeah. pun not intended <laughs> I mean my, my story doesn't have any cute animals in it so I don't know where I can where I can go um but we have recently finished watching the most recent season of Orange is the New Black, mm-hmm. which, uh, for those who aren't aware, is a, a Netflix show set in a women's prison, and it's kind of a comedy drama. And it's always been it's always been good, but the last season has been absolutely outstanding. They they do uh, they basically do a Black Lives Matter plot, um, and they kind of show institutionally how how when something horrible happens um how why an institution ends up closing ranks um and and they 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 play it quite cleverly where both the 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 victim and the 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 perpetrator here are among the more sympathetic characters in the show and it's just one of the most powerful and heart-rending pieces of television i've ever seen so if you haven't watched the show before um i mean there's four seasons of it to catch up on now but it's totally worth it just to get to the 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 last season is one of the most powerful bits of television i've ever seen and it really makes you kind of reevaluate a whole lot of stuff about how how law enforcement works so, yeah, that's me. I'm going to have two takeaways of the week. One which follows on from what you said, John. So I've started watching um, the series um, Atlanta, which is a comedy, a dramedy um, set in Atlanta. And it follows two cousins where one cousin, um, his job's kind of going nowhere, his career's going nowhere. And he wants to become the, the manager of his other cousin of, of his cousin who is uh, an aspiring rapper in episode two um, you see the whole inequality absurdity of the American judicial system writ large where both cousins find themselves um, in in a police station in jail ostensibly but how one of them can buy their way their way out which we just don't have in the UK you know post bail for a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars so the fact you can actually buy your freedom seems to me somewhat peculiar bit being British but you had the whole industrial complex of african-american incarceration there you had uh, one guy who's clearly got mental health issues you had somebody who'd been hoovered up because they were drinking um drinking alcohol on their doorstep so it was in a in a public place they were arrested and and it just went on and on and on and the whole thing was was played somewhat not not necessarily for laughs but there were many comedic moments but the takeaway from that was actually how um, a whole section of american society finds itself constantly at battle uh, with the forces of of law and order and how um, they can at a a dime be brutalized and kind of used against them and the one character who is this uh, 
somebody who's got very obvious mental health issues who wanders around in this kind of hospital gown and uh, somebody says oh that's I forget his name let's call him Larry for the sake of, uh, of argument oh that's Larry again and he says and the other guy says again he says yeah he's in here every two days you know the police pick him up for something and he says, he says well he obviously needs help and, and he says, look, you watch, he's going to go into, into the uh, bathroom now and drink some toilet water. And of course, he takes a mug, goes in there, drinks the toilet water and everybody laughs. The, the police officers laugh. That's old Larry being Larry again. Then Larry turns round and, and, and spits the toilet water out at one of the police officers and they just set upon him, you know, with batons, uh, you know, going and just batter this poor man to a pulp. And you you just saw... Um, everything uh, to do with the issues to do to do around that, to, around being being African American and the law writ large within this kind of thirty minute slice of, uh, of dramedy. So that's Atlanta. Um, I highly recommend it. Very very good. Uh, you know, and it kind of massively pokes fingers uh, into the kind of the the African American kind of male psyche. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And then just quickly, just just to end up on a slightly more sentimental note. Um, I am a big fan of football and I know that John rubbishes sport all the time and says, oh, I don't understand it, etc, etc. But one of the things which I'm forever saying to Americans about UK sport, but also sport the way it's kind of structured everywhere else on the planet apart from North America, is that there is a pyramid system. So that means that Manchester United um, are at the top of uh, the pyramid system, i.e. they are in the top division. Of, of football, of soccer within uh, the UK, but this pyramid system has at least 20 to 30 other levels, and any old team can start by playing on, on, on a park on a Sunday and progress up through division after division after winning that, uh, that, that league. And then one day end up playing Manchester United. And I've been somewhat captivated by the class of 92, which are uh, the kind of the graduating kids that used to play for Manchester United, graduated in 1992. And that class in- includes actually David Beckham. So it's the two Neville brothers, Paul Scholes, uh, Nicky Butt, um, etc. Ryan Giggs. And they five of that class of 92 have bought uh, a non-league club called Salford City which is an area of Greater Manchester. And it's an absolutely heartwarming documentary. So you have these multi-millionaire ex-footballers who have all now retired who have bought this lower non-league amateur team who are in... I think they bought them when they are in Tier 8. And uh, it's just an absolutely heartwarming story of the the chairman who's a woman who does it everybody works there on a voluntary basis and how you know they they, they paint the stadium and uh, and the, the tea lady has to now have proper hygiene t- tests but actually how uh, attendances for this football team for Salford City have gone up from 46 each match to um, the giddy heights of 1400 and now they've actually been promoted and it's all the things that are right about community activism, you know, just supporting your, your local team, just getting involved. Um, and it's and it's really nice to see that uh, the class of 92, these guys who are now multimillionaires, haven't forgotten that they're all kind of working class lads and they're all actually from, from Manchester. So uh, Atlanta on FX, but also the class of 92 on BBC iPlayer. That is my takeaway of the week, or my takeaways. Um, this has been Mid-Atlantic. 
This has been Mid-Atlantic. Um, you can review us on iTunes. Uh, it's a great way to show your support for us. You can follow us on social media. We are at Mid-Atlantic Show. Uh, John, um, how can people follow you on social media if they want to? Uh, well, why, why would they not want to? Obviously, I basically live my whole life on Twitter where I'm at John Elledge, which is J-O-N-N-E-L-L-E-D-G-E. Uh, you should probably also check out my podcast, uh, Skylands. It's a geometric podcast, which uh, this week we have a special episode where it's not just produced by Roy Phil, but also guest starring Rob Monaco. So it's Yay. basically this show again, but talking about ancient Sumer. Uh, and, I, and I really enjoyed it and felt incredibly left out. Two thirds uh. of mid-Atlantic. <laughs> Uh, and uh, Rob, if anybody wants to catch up with you on social media, how can they do that? Uh, yes, every now and then I, I leave my little hobbit hole that I have as a Twitter account. And every now and then I might post something. But uh, if you want to get in touch with me, I'm at Podcast History uh, on Twitter, uh, which is basically the shortened version of my very long podcast name, which is the Podcast History of Our World. Don't forget we're also on Facebook just search for mid-atlantic we had a whole flurry of new likes uh, last week so thank you to the uh, 10 12 people that have decided to like us that's been me royfield brown you can follow me on uh, quite simply on twitter i'm just at royfields but r-o-i-f-i-e-l-d that has been us mid-atlantic we'll see you all again in two weeks time there you go guys Hey. Sorry for he, you know, start it's starting late, but I think uh, we've wrapped no it up pretty well. I think it's pretty good. Well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Royfield, real fast because I, I yeah, yeah. just realized as you're talking about these TV shows, have you seen the Get Down yet? On yes, Netflix? I have. I have. Oh, how was it? Right? You, you, you like? You know what? I think right that program is gonna be. It's either gonna go down in TV annals of being a massive kind of. Uh, biopic stroke operatic kind of thing or yeah. it's going to sink without a trace i loved it but it's a fucking mess it, well, <laughs> I, I i loved it and the i love the overblown visual sense of it you know all the shaolin fantastic stuff especially at the start <laughs> which is very kind of mystic and kind of oriental you know yes. and all the backlighting with with the sunsets and you know every train it's had so, graffiti. It's, it's Baz Luhrmann. It's very Baz Luhrmann. It was it was excellent. But I tell you what, it didn't need. It did not need um, him twenty years later rapping in wherever the hell he was. You oh, know, yeah. a, a, as the commentary to let you know what was about to happen. You know, at the Thank start yes. of every show. It didn't need that. But fully agree. I absolutely loved it. whatever that actor is who played uh, the male lead. He's a fucking star. Oh, He's yeah. brilliant. Oh, yeah. Totally bloody compelling. I All believed of, uh, every yeah. inch of him. And and Jimmy Jimmy Smuts in it. I I you know I I loved it. And the only thing I would say, which you know, other than he didn't need that. Here is me rapping twenty years later. Thing, which do you know that was actually Nas? Do you know it was? Nas yeah, I did, I did. I was like, I was like, what? It doesn't match up his words. No, yeah, I did find out later. It's Nas rapping, but it's not him. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the 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 other thing I'd say about it, Rob, is because Stranger Things. Have you watched Stranger Things? Oh yeah, yeah. We finished it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, and this is okay. So I I really like Stranger Things. Yeah. I don't I don't quite think it was as brilliant as everybody says but it's because it came with massive hype by the time I started watching it but don't get me wrong I liked it I right. liked yeah. it right um 
but being being black right and and because of the the power that hip hop has exerted on western culture in the last 30 getting on for 40 years right mm-hmm. and me being jamaican i said it all started in jamaica because and the fact that cool dj herc was 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 there right jamaican yeah. he, you know the guy that started it was, was an immigrant was a jamaican i just wished right it had been played slightly slightly straighter so it could have been much more of a cultural kind of touchstone in terms of the importance of it that's all that's all and i'm saying this is you know it's a very slight criticism considering how people have said hey look at stranger things it's so nostalgic it's so 80s it takes us back to uh, you know and you know a more innocent time yada 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 if that had been played maybe like 10 percent straighter the same thing could have been said for no, it's not necessarily an innocent time, but it could have been said. Here is this doc. Here is this document, which is you know a, a, a true American document on the start of a true American art form, hip hop, blah 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 blah. That's all, and it's purely something which I just say kind of in hindsight. But you know, I devoured the whole thing in what two days, possibly three days. Yeah, that, that's I think that's about where we were kind of coming from for, on that one. Yeah, because I mean, I can definitely see where you're, you're coming from, you know, that they should, you know, you, you look for, you know, that there's a cultural connection there. And then when you don't see it in a movie, you're like, well, it was good. But I, I was really I mean, I know that he's Italian. I, I wish that they could have done something with that, you know, in the family. But I, I thought when when they had Hork on, though, and his family and all, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. so cool. And it was. Of course, then, well, now I pressed my wife, though, because I was like, yeah, I, I have, like, Grandmaster Flesh and, and uh, Africa Bombada albums. And she's like, what? No, you don't. I'm like, that's the be- Africa Bombada, especially, that's the beginning of Electronica. Yeah. I was like, go and check it out. Oh, yeah. I was like, uh, pressed her. So she was happy about that. I was I, like, I, I, and I did love the whole kind of, yeah, from the South Bronx is, I don't know, it's a Zulu nation. And the, from the North Bronx is the blah, blah, blah. And, whatever, yeah, yeah. and, and all of that. No, no. I really, really liked it. But my oh, God, didn't it make uh, 70s New York seem like a total, uh, you know, wasteland of a place, you know, totally oh, dysfunctional. The guy, God. the guy who played Ed Koch. Oh, my God. What an amazing <laughs> he, he, actor. Yeah. And, and I've, I met Ed Koch once at a, at a funeral in New uh-huh. York out of all places. And yeah, he talk to just like that and and i would that you know hey well you know how am i doing over here all right everything go good and and the guy was perfect as yeah no, a- absolutely ah, brilliant cool and uh, then, i wanted to get your opinion on it too i had a feeling you were gonna well were gonna no 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 listen i'm gonna leave this actually in the edit so because this is all all great stuff and the other um um not grandmaster flash yeah grandmaster flash yeah. bloody hell he looked just like him Whoever oh the hell God. that was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? <laughs> they just obviously just cryogenically frozen him in 1977, <laughs> thawed him out and says, act in this, because it yes. looked exactly like him. It was, dude. It was. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I can't wait to see what's going to happen in the next season. I'm, I'm so excited for it. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I thought it was you know very clever in that it's a musical without being a musical yeah just enough so that if you're into that kind of thing you get into it but just not enough so if it turned you off you weren't turned off by it i i loved it 
And uh, as I say, you know, small criticisms, you know, you could have slightly just dialed back a little, you know, to just so um, it could have been seen as kind of, I think, truly what it was, which is the first popular uh, dramatization of the start of, of hip hop, you know. Mm. And when you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60. And to give it its kind of two cultural kind of import, so to speak. Hmm. I, I think that's a fair way to sum it up, yeah. 